If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't had the chance to watch The Mind Polluters yet, we want to let you know that you can watch it online exclusively at themindpolluters.com. The Mind Polluters exposes the graphic sex education, social-emotional learning programs, and the roots of all this corruption in our public school systems, all the way back to Alfred Kinsey and his perverse experimentation on children, and how it was legitimized through publications and eventually codified into law around the world. Have you found yourself wondering where all these pornographic library books came from? Have you wondered where in the world all of this started? Well, The Mind Polluters answers all those questions and more. Watch The Mind Polluters today at themindpolluters.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. You're listening to Fearless with Mark and Amber, a behind-the-scenes of our filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features, where we ask tough questions, encourage and inspire grassroots involvement, and pursue truth above all else. I'm Amber Archer, and joining me is my husband, author, director, speaker, Mark Archer. What would you say? You do here. If you find this podcast helpful, be sure to subscribe and share this show with your friends and family to help us reach more people with this information. As always, you can learn more about us and the movies we're making by visiting fearlessfeatures.org. Well, it is July 4th, and we have a very patriotic show for you today. Because we are patriotic. We are very patriotic. We are very patriotic. I love America. Yes. Land of the home. ever. Uh, no. Land of land the of home. The fr- <laughs> land of the home. It is the land of our home. <laughs> uh, I the, would cut that out, but I don't even care. <laughs> the homeland, comrade. Yes. Da. Da, Amerikanski. Okay, home go. of the free. No, no, stop it. I what? just got, I just I, butchered that again. I, it's, that's all you. Land of the free, home of the brave. Thank you. Okay. Here we are. Uh, Fourth have, of July. I have too many articles <laughs> running through my mind. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Da, comrade. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Huh. What am I doing? Oh, so we were, no, we I, uh, probably like most of you, some of you have already gone and seen firework displays. Mm. And it was funny when we were out last week um, and I said, I remember I'd looked this up before, but I couldn't remember. I, I said, why do we celebrate with fireworks? Mm-hmm. What's what's the deal with the fireworks? And so I, of course, had to go and look it up again. And I found on history.com, and I'll share a link in the show notes for you guys. This It's a great article, actually. Then there's video attached, so I'm going to leave a link for you. But it's why do we celebrate July 4th with fireworks? The Independence Day tradition dates nearly back as far as the country's beginning and was proposed by one of the founding fathers, which was interesting. And for a lot of us, so I'm just going to read straight from this article. Okay. And it says, it's hard to imagine Independence Day without fireworks. But how did this tradition get started? It turns out setting off many explosives um, of all shapes and colors, but particularly red, white and blue on July 4th goes back almost as far as American independence itself. I don't like you because you're dangerous. <laughs> right. uh, John, uh, John Adams actually predicts the celebrations. Fireworks have a long and colorful history, but the story of how they became ubiquitous on July 4th dates to the summer of 1776 during the first months of the Revolutionary War. On July 1, delegates delegates of the Continental Congress were in Philadelphia debating over whether the 13 original colonies should declare their independence from Britain's parliament as well as King George III himself. That night, news arrived that British ships had sailed into New York Harbor, posing an immediate threat to the Continental troops commanded by George Washington. 
On July 2nd, delegates from 12 colonies voted in favor of independence. New York would follow suit on July 9th. And the motion carried. On July 3rd, even as Congress revised a draft of the declaration composed by Thomas Jefferson, an excited John Adams took up his pen to write to his wife, Abigail. And he quotes, On the second day of July, 1776, will be the most memorable in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shoes, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other from this time forward forevermore. So that was that was John Adams. And then he goes on. And I'll, I mean, I'll leave a link to this. It's a really great article. Um, but it's just it was really neat to see <laughs> how it really was the founding. I Because I had questioned why do we celebrate with fireworks? Mm-hmm. And so there you have it. There's there's more to it. But we have more to this show, so we have to keep moving. That's right. And so speaking of our Declaration of Independence, I wanted to read the first part of the Declaration of Independence <clears throat> here. This is uh, in Congress, July 4th, 1776. The unanimous Declaration of the 13 United States of America. So, mm-hmm. of course, the original 13 states or 13 colonies. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands, which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth, the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. And it goes on for several pages. And, of course, we'll leave a link to the Declaration, too, for you to read right. if you'd like. But these, in today's world, with global tyranny really rearing its its ugly head everywhere, you see it everywhere, these words are, once again, revolutionary. To many in our increasingly tyrannical governments, words like these are words of a terrorist, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Yet these are our founding documents. Right. And so, especially as Christians, we should never, ever back off or apologize for, number one, reading from the scriptures. Number two, reading from our foundation, foundational documents for our country. Mm-hmm. Because it is, you see, right from the beginning, 
that and and I think we're we're approaching this point in our nation where it is our right and our duty to throw off such government and start again. Mm-hmm. And I is there is there any other solution I wonder to to how completely out of control our government has gotten. The the justice system, the FBI, the Department of Justice, the Everything has been so completely turned on its head, corrupted. Well, especially when they don't view everyone as created equal. That's right. Is a is a big problem. And the American spirit, you know, it finds its roots in the belief that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And um, our nation's extraordinary virtues and values of courage and generosity and optimism, innovation and diversity. They stem from the understanding that freedom coupled with godly faith promotes the very best characteristics of a nation. That's right. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's important to, for us to remember annually, uh, you know, on a regular basis, but certainly at least annually that our nation was founded as a Christian nation. Yes. The Declaration of Independence the Declaration of Independence is not our first foundational document. It goes all the way back to the Mayflower Compact. Yeah. Which is a decidedly Christian document and we'll read that on another show, but And their purpose was to share it, spread the gospel. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident. In other words, you don't need legislative bodies to define these things. They're self-evident. All men are created equal, mm-hmm. created equal, not evolved. Um, that is a distinctly Christian worldview statement. Absolutely. That they are endowed by their creator. Mm-hmm. That would capital be God, C. capital C, <laughs> with certain unalienable rights. What does it mean to that they're unalienable? They can't be taken away. Right. You can't you take can't away. You can't legislate them away. You, you, because the government doesn't give you these rights. Mm-hmm. Which is what you see, I mean, not to not to get too much into the politics of the day right now, because we really just want to focus on patriotism of and why we celebrate, you know, July 4th. But you see this with the parental rights movement yeah. and the government constantly there. I'm telling you, it's it's really scary to see so many um, attacks of parental rights that have and laws that have been passed to take your children away. Yeah. Because, I, because of a tyrannical government, yeah. it's, it's no different. The only difference is they're not from England. Yeah. Now they are within, our, within our federal government, yeah. the, the and tyrants. I, and I can't, re- I, I was just thinking of, um, there was a historian and I can't remember who it was who said America is great because she is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't remember who that is, but it was a great quote that I found. Um, and, you know, and, and people, I know people like us, there, there's a lot of temptation to despair. And mm-hmm. we, we fight against this all the time because we're slogging through this on a daily basis as we do research for these films. But remember Sodom and Gomorrah mm-hmm. and that the angels came to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot kept saying, well, what if I can find 50? What if I can find 40? <laughs> what, if I can find 30? what if I can find 10? What if I can find five? And what did, and what did the Lord say? If you can find that many, then I, I will spare. Right. Of course, in the end, we know that, that 
Lot and his family were the only ones that were spared. And even Lot's wife mm-hmm. you turned know, around, turned and, around. And, and longed to be back there. Yeah. And so. And became city, a pillar of salt. Let's finish that. Yeah. <laughs> and so in a in cities as wicked as that, if the Lord was willing to spare them, if only 10 could be found. Mm-hmm. We know that in America, the remnant, the Christians, the, the true church of of Jesus, that there are more than 10 of us. Yeah, absolutely. And so we, we know that if we continue to, uh, to stand for righteousness, if we continue to resist tyranny, it is our, it is our duty before the Lord and And as American Uh, citizens, pray for our nation to resist tyranny. You do that by through prayer and not by acting like rebels. They're going to call you a rebel. Yeah. You're not a rebel if you're calling for a return to our Constitution, to our founding documents. That is a call to law and order. That Mm -hmm. is godly. So speaking of revolutionary (laughs) statements. And how much the church plays a part in today's society as it did. Yes. So we've got uh, uh, some audio from our friend Micah Beckwith who is a pastor at Life Church in Noblesville, Indiana, incidentally just announced that he is running for lieutenant governor. Mm-hmm. And this is interesting. We need to have him on the podcast to talk about this because there is he is such a uh, a constitutionalist. Yes. And there is there's a very specific reason why he has announced usually usually the lieutenant governor is kind of rubber stamped by whoever the gubernatorial nominee is right. They kind of pick it, pick their Lieutenant governor. That's not constitutionally how it works, not in Indiana anyway. And so uh, he is specifically running for Lieutenant governor. We're going to have him on here in a couple weeks to talk about that, but we interviewed him for dysphoria. Uh He is in dysphoria and he's going to talk to us about the black robe regiment. So, Uh, so before we, um, take you to Micah and our conversation that we had for dysphoria. I just want to tell you a little bit about Micah because he's, he's just, he's really awesome. He's become a great friend of ours. Um, Micah Beckwith, he's a pastor, entrepreneur, teacher, and constitutionalist with over 17 years of service in central Indiana. From pastoring churches to owning multiple businesses and running for Congress, Micah has extensive experience in leadership and is now dedicated to training up the next generation. Micah is committed to defending true constitutional values and ensuring a future where freedom and liberty reign. So one of the coolest stories in American history for me as a pastor is the story of the Black Robe Regiment. And it was a story of of a pastor named John Peter Muhlenberg, and he he saw what the British were doing and he he knew that it was totally against the will of God for tyranny and oppression to be uh, forced down on the people the way that the British and King George were doing. And so he stood up. He gave this passionate message in his church on a Sunday morning and he read from Ecclesiastes and uh, Ecclesiastes uh, where there's a time for everything under under heaven. And, and there's a time for love and there's a time for hate. There's a time for, um, uh, to heal and there's a time, uh, to die. And, and he, he gets to the end and says, there's a time for peace and there's a time for war. And he pulled off his black robe that he was preaching in, and underneath he revealed that he had a military uniform on and he led his congregation out to battle, uh, to join George Washington in the fight for liberty. 
So he led his men out and joined George Washington, General Washington, uh, and they became part of the Virginia's 8th Brigade. And so he gets a letter shortly after that from his brother, Frederick Muhlenberg, who's also a pastor. And his brother writes him and says, Peter, what are you doing? Like, it's not right that a pastor should be engaged in quote unquote politics. I mean, he didn't say politics, but he said, you know, this is not your fight. This is the fight of governments. Stay out of it. You're the church, right? And Peter wrote back and said, no, absolutely not. This is a godly mission that he has called us to defend liberty because God is the author of liberty. Not, it's not man's idea. It's God's idea. And so he said, I, I'm, I'm right in this, Frederick. And you should join us too. And Frederick was like, I'm not going to join. I'm not going to join. Well, then shortly after that, the British come to Frederickstown. And guess what they do? They burn down a lot of churches. And his churches was one of his church was one of the churches that was assaulted by the British. And, and he quickly learned, oh, I should be in this fight for liberty. So he then leads his, his men into battle to fight the British. But it took a little time for him to see the consequences of being silent in the face of evil. You know, there's that that great quote, silence in the face of evil is still evil, right? And fast forward to the first the first Congress. Uh, you know, the Constitution is written in 1787, and and we see uh, we see the first uh, Congress is installed shortly after that. And and who do you think is the first Speaker of the House? It's Frederick Muhlenberg. So God used this timid, shy, uh, just you know, this, uh, this non, um, non-passionate pastor who doesn't want to engage. He's anti-conflict, you know, anti-standing up for what, what's right. God takes him and, and reforms him and leads him on this journey to where he becomes the first speaker of the house. There's literally a statue in the rotunda right now in Washington, uh, uh, or actually in statuary hall of, of Frederick Muhlenberg. And so you see this, it's an amazing story of how one pastor stood up, another pastor saw, finally saw the evil, then stood up to fight. And God used these churches to create this amazing revolution of liberty that has set so many free around the world. That has been the catapult that has spread the gospel to all the ends of the, of the earth in such a powerful way. And so for the church now in America in 2022 and 2023 to be to be adamant about staying out of politics, I'm like, you guys don't know your history. You don't know where you came from. And again, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And with that, how important is education? When we talk about public schools and how important is education for all that we do? Um, Abraham Lincoln said, that the philosophy of the classroom in one generation is the philosophy of the government in the next. So education, I think, is the linchpin to our future in public schools and private schools, at the home, in churches and communities and, and public libraries. Education is the crux of where we will be as a nation in 20, 30, 40 years from now. If we don't engage in that battle as the church, then there then we might as well just pack it up and go home now. Uh, what has been exposed over 2020 and 2021 uh, in the public schools is what the, what the enemy was trying to do to undermine our republic, what the devil was trying to do to undermine what God has done in America. And 
as bad as COVID was and 2020 was for many people, the silver lining is that it exposed the true uh, indoctrination that was getting pushed upon our kids. And now parents are are madder than a hornet's nest. And, and rightfully so, they need to be. And so if we don't engage in that fight, then don't expect America to get any any better. It's just gonna keep getting worse and worse and worse. Because after the Cold War, the Marxists, they didn't go home. It wasn't like you know Gorbachev tore down the wall and then that was the end of the battle. They went underground into our academic institutions in higher education in America. They just began to teach those who were gonna be teachers on how to have a Marxist worldview. And they began to indoctrinate from the top. And now it's trickled down into our high schools, into our middle schools, into our elementary schools. And 2020, praise God that he exposed all that. I say that 2020 was the year of the great unmasking. And because it, it, the, the hearts of men were laid bare. And I think it's God's mercy on America that, that he allowed us to go through that. Now, I know, again, there was bad things that happened. It's not that God causes bad things to happen, but he does allow us to go through things to expose the enemy's plans. And that's what 2020 did. It exposed what the enemy's trying to do, what the devil's trying to do, how the forces of darkness are at work to take take hold of the hearts of our kids. So whether you have kids in public school or not, you have to be engaged in that battle. You're a taxpayer. Your, your money goes to fund public education, so you have a right to be involved in it. And your, your country's future depends on what is being taught in the public school. So while I think it's great to homeschool, and I think it's great to... Uh, have kids in Christian schools and private schools, and and our kids are in a uh, classical Christian school. That's where we put them. Uh, we can't abandon the public schools because ninety percent of the students are still going to be in the public schools. So, if we want America to have a bright future, the church, Christians, people who know truth, have got to jump into that battle with everything they got and take back what the enemy has stolen. Hey, friends. We love hearing from our listeners who tune into our podcast every week. We're always looking to connect with our community and create content that truly resonates with you. If you have a suggestion or topic you'd like us to cover, you can now write us at fearlessfeatures.org forward slash mailbox. Your support and encouragement mean the world to us, and we couldn't do this without you. Thank you for allowing us to share our passion and knowledge with you. Link to the mailbox is in the show notes. How fascinating what Michael was talking about, about everybody being involved, especially in public education and how it's the linchpin of our future. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, truly couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, like, honestly, I the from what we study and, the, and just from what we do on a day-to-day basis and exposing the deeds of darkness, what Ephesians 5.11 tells mm-hmm. us to do, um, you know, it's fascinating to me because I've I've watched especially um, there were major protests happening at a big um, convention that was going on. And one of the signs that stuck out to me was make school board meetings boring again. <laughs> and and I had to laugh. And what he was just saying, I think, may it never be so like they I, I'm not talking about, you know, having raucous, you know, school board meetings, but may people always continue to stay involved in what's happening in the education system, especially in our local communities. Mm-hmm. The local communities are, are what matter the most. I mean, that we cannot stress that enough to be involved locally. You know, so much happens on a national level that we have no control over, but you absolutely can make a difference at your local level and your voice can be heard mm-hmm. and you can bring people along with you to make sure that you're in this battle for the hearts and minds of the next generation. 
the worst thing that you can do is do nothing because you feel like you can only do a little. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a, and people, this is the American spirit, mm. you know, that, that people have forgotten. A lot of people have forgotten some, some in, in, in our nation don't even understand this part of the American spirit that the spirit of entrepreneurism, which is, I will find a way to, you know, to make this work. I'm going to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And that means you start with, you know, even the slightest sliver of, of a, a hope that you can make a difference in something. And you start with that, keep going. So that means, you know, you start on the local levels and it, and it does go from there. People who, <clears throat> people who are in, you know, national level offices, nine times out of 10, I mean, unless they're Trump, <laughs> you know, Obama started as a state senator in Illinois, right? Before uh, that, he was a community organizer. Before that, yeah. And and, and so, you know. At a local the, level. Yeah. Well, <laughs> AOC, before before she was in Congress, she was a bartender. Right. Right. So, you got to keep an eye on the bartenders, too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, but, you know, but the, but the interesting thing, the American spirit, it's most vividly displayed, not in governmental institutions, but in the lives of ordinary, godly citizens. That's right. And uh, and so we've got another snippet here from Micah mm -hmm. talking about the importance of the family. Yes. The American family and the American church mm -hmm. are this is where you start. I mean. Yes, you, you feel like you're being overwhelmed and the enemy has infiltrated and is taking over everything. Yeah, we all feel it. Where do you start? Start by starting. Yeah, that's right. So where can we start? <laughs> you start by um, your own home, reinforcing the, around your own home, mm -hmm. right? Make sure that you are leading men, women, that you are leading your family in a godly manner <laughs> and raising godly children as best we can hey, with the guidance of the scriptures. Yeah, not not to get off on a tangent here, but just this little bunny trail real fast. So it's been fascinating. So we get up and we read scripture every morning and we've been going through a one-year Bible where it's Old Testament, New Testament, um, Psalms and Proverbs. And it's been fascinating going through the Old Testament. And right now we're in Second Kings, but one of the things that stuck out to us the other morning was just how... Um, the the different kings that would come into power and it would say, you know, and they did evil in the sight of the Lord yeah. and they reigned this, you know, X amount of years. But, you know, the, the really interesting thing, the takeaway one morning was the mothers are always mentioned, whether it was those who did evil in the sight of the Lord and led the nation mm -hmm. away from God or as you know, we were just reading in Second Kings, and Josiah comes to be king at age eight, and mm -hmm. his mother is mentioned. And the thing is, I was I was sitting and we were talking, and I said, "Why is it that the mothers are always mentioned?" Well, first of all, I think probably because they had the most influence, yeah, in the direction of uh, obviously the upbringing of their child. And as a mother, as a mom, we all know mothers have an incredible role to play in the next generation and just leading well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, um, and it was brought up and I think I, I agree with this, that, you know, we, we go heavy on men, um, kind of, 
you know, singling them out. And, and I, I don't, I don't apologize for that, but we do have to have the understanding too, that there are a lot of godly men out there who are, yes. uh, Fighting the good fight. Fighting the good fight by <laughs> providing for their families, mm-hmm. right? And they, so we can tend to look at it and say, well, why aren't you at the school board meetings? Um, because he's working. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? which, which is legitimate. I mean, yeah. and, and we've said it before, too, you know, because that's what we would constantly hear when we were, especially when we were interviewing for the mind polluters. And, you know, several of the interviews, people were saying, you know, where are the men? They, mm-hmm. they would pose a question. And so we started asking well, where are the men? <laughs> yeah. And and it's a legitimate question because in that in that battle space and we still see it there it, it's it's heavily populated by by the women mm-hmm. and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But and it's not that every man should feel, you know, a, a guilt complex about not being a researcher and going to city council meetings. Right. And, Listen, if you if you are doing as the Lord has directed you as as a man providing for your family, protecting them and, and then you are you're doing what you can do mm-hmm. and leave it to the Lord, you know, to guide you on additional things maybe that he's got for you to do or maybe that's all you can handle and that's fine. But uh but there certainly are when when I when I'm calling out men, I'm calling out men who are in leadership positions who are who are refused charged with mm-hmm. influencing congregations populations and their own families in the 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 right versus the wrong way mm-hmm. and what does first and second kings talk about continually and the king did what was evil in the eyes of the lord and led the nation astray yeah the whole led, nation. led the nation into sin and so for decades right and you <laughs> and see that it you, wasn't just a couple of years it was usually yeah. you know 55 years and you see that happening years. right now when when you see when you see joe biden i'm not even going to call him president biden i think he's an imposter mm. when you see him in there inviting these anarcho communists dressed you know men dressed like women these these anarchists, LGBTQIA two spirit anarchists, right, to the White House mm-hmm. and hanging the pride flag front and center, violating flag protocols. That is that is leading the nation astray. Absolutely, that is absolutely leading people into sin. And the Lord, is it part of? It is. Is it part of the Lord's judgment on us? Yes, I think it is. But it is also, I think, He's allowed this to happen to wake to wake people up. Wake when we up see this happening, and, we're, and we dead. think, "What are you doing? Yeah. You can't do that. That's that's insulting." But He's leading the nation into sin. Mm-hmm. Is what He's doing, and the Lord will not hold Him guiltless. Mm-hmm. These. It, not Sorry, we got him. off on a, on a bunny trail there. Yeah, well, let's just... <laughs> it happens. Anyway. Okay, back to Micah. Okay, back okay to- one last clip here with Micah <laughs> talking about the importance of the family. Okay. Here we go. Family in America is one of the, the, the pegs on a three-legged stool. It's very important. I think you can say you have family, you have the church, and you have government. I think that's the three-legged stool that I see how God has designed every every culture, every society to, to function. And all three have to be healthy and they all have to know their role and they all have to do their part. But family is critical because uh, if the family doesn't do their part, 
then we, we start seeing children who don't know how to respect authority. They don't know how to uh, be good, good citizens and, and to, be, uh, to begin to uh, give back to, to culture and to society. The fatherlessness rate is killing America right now. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I see taking down our, our, our society and the, the degradation of our society. It's, it's, it's the fatherlessness rate. Um, I mean, you can even look at the black community right now. It's a seven in the seventies percent, seventy percentile fatherlessness rate, and I think government has spurred that on. They've incentivized out of out of uh, marriage births and and uh, out of wedlock, uh, you know, child uh, bearing in the um, in the black community specifically. And now we wonder why. Like, look at Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's falling apart under violence. Why is that? Because fathers and the families have been destroyed practically, you know, they're down to nothing. And that's government policy sets the stage and the tone for that. You know, it's interesting. Jesus says um, when he when he goes to Caesarea Philippi and he takes he takes his disciples there and he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. That, that word has actually been mistranslated. It was actually on this rock, I will build my ecclesia, my ecclesia. And ecclesia was the town center. It was where the public debate happened. It was where the politics happened of a city. And Jesus said, I'm going to take the gospel into the city square. And you're going to revolutionize the home and the individual because there's going to be good policy, good boundaries that create the freedom for the gospel to take hold in the human heart. But we've got it backwards as the church. We've always said, well, I'm going to go after the person first, and then we'll, we'll change the culture, and then hopefully the culture will then change the government. But Jesus said, go and disciple all nations. Well, what is a nation? A nation is the will, the rule, and the reign of a, of a country. You can't win nations with, to salvation. America can't get saved. You know, you know, England can't get saved. People get saved. But why did Jesus say, go into all the nations and preach the gospel? Because he's saying when you go into the political realm, when you go in with the gospel and you revolutionize the nation with truth, the nation begins to put up proper boundaries. Mm-hmm. So a city like Philadelphia would not have laws that would that would incentivize wickedness. They would have laws that incentivize righteousness. And then the family would begin to heal. And then the individual be, would begin to heal. And then people would begin to flourish. But it has to start with the gospel revolutionizing nations. And, and we've got it so backwards in the, in the American church. We think, get the person, and then the person then will fix the nation. Jesus could have said, You're on, this, on this rock, I will build my synagogue, or on this rock, I will build my temple, if he wanted it to be the church. But he didn't. He said, Ecclesia. This, and everybody in the Greek city-state would have known exactly what Jesus was saying. He was saying, on this rock, Peter, go be political and take back politics in my name. But political... Has, you know, politics has a bad connotation now in America. And I always tell people, I say, hey, especially churches, pastors, you might get criticized for being political. Remind people it's okay to be political in God's eyes. It's not okay to be partisan. Big difference. Partisanship is not what we want to do. We don't want to be about Republican, Democrat. We want to be about biblical truth. But politics, literally the Greek word just means, it's, it comes from polis, which just means city. So it's the business of the city. What church doesn't want to be involved in the business of the city? But when the church gets involved in the business of the city, it sets up good moral parameters that make families healthy, that makes individuals healthy, makes businesses healthy, makes schools healthy. It makes community becomes, be, begins to become a healthy community. But it starts in the city square. 
That's why Jesus said, the gospel, take it into the nations. Revolutionize the governments, revolutionize the, the, the town squares, the political boundaries with the truth of God's word. Isaiah 9, 6 says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son has been given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. Well, what That means Jesus is all about governing. Well, what's politics? It's the boundaries that make up our government. Jesus is about politics right there in Isaiah 9, 6. For any pastor to say, I don't want to be involved in politics, I'm, I would say you are, you are dropping your call as a shepherd. You know, shepherds were rough, redneck, tough, you know, and tumble kind of guys that would defend their flocks at all costs. And, and the psalmist says, uh, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Well, most shepherds understand or pastors understand what a staff is. Like, you know, we herd the sheep into the sheep's pen and in the pasture and we protect the sheep, but they have no clue what the rod is. The rod is the weapon of war that the shepherd would, would, would wield when he needs to. He would kill the wolf. He'd kill the thief. He'd kill anything or anyone coming in to do damage to his, to his sheep. He would go to war to defend what he loves, which is his sheep. But we have pastors now that will never even think about going to war and battling for, for their loved ones, for those that God has placed them over. They've totally abandoned the rod. And you look at King, uh, King Xerxes uh, in the story of Esther. What, what was it that Esther needed the approval? How did the king say, you're okay when you come into the court? He extended the rod, his scepter. That's, what, that's exactly why kings carried scepters. It was the biblical picture of the rod. And they said, I am the defender of my people. I'm the defender of my flock. That's why kings carry scepters. And so for pastors, you have a flock. You need to learn how to use the rod just as much as you use the staff. And uh, I always like to tell pastors uh, when I'm speaking at pastors' conferences, it's, you know, those pictures of, uh, of Jesus when he has the lamb and he's carrying the lamb over his shoulders. And it's, you know, you're like, oh man, Jesus is so sweet. Oh, he's, just, he's carrying the lamb. Have you, ever, have you ever stopped to think about that picture for a second? It's like, why would Jesus be carrying the lamb? Like, we know it's the one that, the, that wandered away, right? He leaves the 99 to go find the one. So we can assume that to be true. Uh, but why is he carrying him? I mean, seemingly like, he probably could just, you know, lead him back to the flock, right? Well, what would happen is when they would get a lamb or a sheep that would keep wandering away from the fold, the shepherd would go and find that one. The good shepherd would go and seek out and save that lamb. And, but he would pull out his rod and he would break the leg of the sheep. And then he would throw the sheep over his shoulders and he'd take him back to the pasture. He'd put the sheep in the pasture. The sheep couldn't wander off anymore because it had a broken leg and it would learn to stay with the fold. And then his leg would eventually heal, but he learned how to stay with the fold. So Jesus literally just broke the leg of that sheep. I mean, that's a pretty mean thing to do, Jesus. Like, why would you do that? Oh my goodness, Jesus, he broke the leg of his sheep? Like, that's not a good shepherd. No, that is a good shepherd. He did what was necessary to protect his flock. And he knew that if he didn't do it, if he didn't sometimes pull out the rod and do, do the hard work of defending and protecting and teaching, then his, his fold would be destroyed. And that's what we got to get back to in America. The pastors have to turn back to knowing how to use their rod and defending their congregations and their people. Ever had your leg broken by Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> how many of us have been taken to the woodshed? Yeah. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. It was, I love listening to stories like this and, you know, having the opportunity to talk to pastors like Micah, who they're just so 
bold and and preaching what's true and Mm -hmm. helping people get back to the fundamental biblical knowledge that we all need. In in order for us to move forward, you know, one body, many parts and proclaiming the good news to everyone. Well, and if you go back, uh, I don't remember which episode it was when we had uh, a segment from Pastor Rob McCoy. He's also in dysphoria. And he talks about Romans 13. Mm Mm-hmm. The misinterpretation. The misinterpretation of Romans 13 and how we're supposed to submit to the authorities. And this, you saw this so much on display during COVID. Yeah. And you see it continuing to be on display now where there these these cowards. Well, there's there's cowards and then there's the false prophets. And I mean, some of these some of these, you know, big mega pastors, like I think of somebody like Andy Stanley, mm-hmm. false prophet. He's up there. He's starting to. You see them start to accept and kind of acquiesce to the transgender, the homosexual, you know, um, influences because because they they're not they're not actually preaching the gospel. They're trying to be popular. Mm-hmm. Um, Joel Osteen, you know, <laughs> he's been he's been at the false prophet business for a long time. Uh-huh. Um, Health, wealth, and happiness. Yeah, exactly, and. It's it's amazing to watch uh, just how clear it has become that they're they're just going along and 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 there are so many not just pastors but you know people on boards that they're just they're they're cowards because they're afraid of and they've and they've missed misinterpreted the scriptures yeah that, well we're supposed to submit. The Lord is never the author of tyranny. Mm. And how we have missed that, it really boggles my mind. How, how can you be in church leadership and, and misunderstand this? Well, and I think, too, I, I remember uh, Pastor Jack Hibbs talking about this, and he said, you know, the government was established for the good of the people. And the when, good of the people, And yes. when government ceases to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how did he, how did he finish that? I was trying to think of that. Oh. They 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 uh, they abdicate their authority. Mm-hmm. Francis Schaeffer talked about yes. this. We've had many clips of Francis Schaeffer uh, talking about this, where he talks about uh, this in terms of the Supreme Court uh, upholding Roe v. Wade mm-hmm. for fifty years. Mm-hmm. Our nation slaughtered babies. We're still doing it. The only thing that, that the that the Roe v. Wade overturning decision did was kick it back down to the state courts. Right. So now you see how tyrannical some of these state legislatures and governors are. And and you can also see it's not only like we were just talking about with Second Kings and the like the rule the king um, leading a nation astray. Mm-hmm. You can see how quickly man made laws yeah. can lead a whole nation astray away from the truth of God's word. Yeah. So when we talk about, you know, what is this explosion of the LGBTQ, the transgenderism, it goes, you have to take it back to the Obergefell decision by the Supreme Court that that essentially legalized same-sex marriage. Mm-hmm. That is a classic example of leadership of a nation, the courts, leading a nation astray. It wasn't until that happened that 
all of this started. Wasn't that, just, in, was that in 2015? I think when, I think so. I have uh, to go back yeah, and look. look. But it was it was when that happened that this all just was on fire, mm-hmm. leading people astray. Because why did what was the the reason we heard many times while we were doing Inwood Drive was that so many women got abortions because it was legal, so they figured it was okay on some level, and yeah. the churches were silent. Right. So when the church is silent and the government is evil, they lead the nation astray. Mm-hmm. And now we see it happening again on homosexuality and transgenderism. The churches are silent and the government is evil mm-hmm. and they're leading people into sin. Yeah. And so the, the Lord will not hold us guiltless, guiltless, you know? Yeah. No, I'm not a pastor and I'm not an elder, but I can speak the same as anyone else. Yeah. And, we happen to, you know, have a, a good platform to speak from. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so speaking, speaking of which, um, so dysphoria will be done um, pretty soon. And uh, it's going to be exciting to get people's reactions from yeah. that. But anyway, that's all I got. <laughs> well, so. it was an absolutely wonderful patriotic yeah. episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening all the way through the to the end. That's all the time we have for today. Have a wonderfully blessed week. Enjoy your independence. Fourth of July today, whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, and speak truth and love um, to everyone. With that, have a wonderful blessed week. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. You're everyone's problem. I am dangerous. dangerous.